0: You're listening to Season 2, Episode number 1 of Strike the Match. The pastor in the local church is the most important and most influential individual when it comes to leading a church to be involved in the mission of God. In this episode, I talk about some of the challenges of training pastors to develop an apostolic imagination and offer six guidelines to assist us in healthy biblical training. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with Pastor and Missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Hey folks, thanks so much for being a part of Season 2 of Strike the Match. During this season, there's a special offer on one of my books. Uh, last year, in 2015, I uh, published a book titled To the Edge, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership, Mission, and Innovation. Uh, if you'd like to get a copy of this book at 41% off the list price, I want to tell you how you can do that. Uh, why 41%? Because it's better than 40%. Uh, CreateSpace is the publisher. And so if you buy the book through uh, CreateSpace, uh, you can enter a coupon code and get the book at 41% off. Easy way to find the book on CreateSpace's page just Google JD Payne. To The Edge Create Space, JD Payne To The Edge Create Space. It'll take you right to the uh, website. Uh, Once you're there, you can uh, purchase the book and when you get to the checkout counter, you will want to enter the following coupon code into uh, the site. Let me warn you, uh, this uh, code is not easy to remember. It's uh, eight characters long and so uh, I'm going to repeat it for you twice uh, so you can write it down. Uh, But here it goes. Uh, so uh, the coupon is uh, begins with the letter J 4 8 Z Z 7 E U One more time the coupon code is J 4 8 Z Z 7 E U So check that out to the edge at 41% off and thanks so much for being a part of season 2 of Strike the Match well welcome to season two episode one of strike the match it's great to be back with this new season and i want to say a word of thanks to those of you that uh, have been uh, sending me emails or uh, speaking to me about uh, season two and that uh, you have appreciated season one thank you so very much thanks so much for listening and for checking out uh, this podcast. As always, I appreciate uh, the uh, words of not only affirmation, but also words of how to uh, improve and to change and uh, do things um, uh, even better uh, here on this uh, this podcast, Strike the Match. And also a word of great appreciation to those of you that are sharing this resource with others in your social networks and recommending this uh, to others. So, thanks. Thank you so very much. So, Season 2, Episode 1, I think that if you are counting consecutively, I believe that uh, this would be Episode uh, 33 of Strike the Match, if you continue running from last season. And so, uh, in this uh, podcast episode that I'm uh, recording today... I want to talk for a few moments about the importance of of training pastors uh, toward uh, an apostolic imagination. Now, my uh, audience that I have in mind, primarily as I am recording this right now, are those that are missiologists serving in the academy. But uh, it's not uh, to them exclusively that I am speaking. Uh, if you have uh, a role within your uh, mission agency or maybe some ministry that you're part of in which your, uh, your uh, involvement overlaps with pastors when it comes to helping them understand uh, what it means to mobilize their people, to train their people, to equip, to send, to partner uh, with their people, then I think there'll be something in this podcast episode that will be of benefit to you as well. Maybe you are the president of a seminary or a Bible college. Uh, maybe someone that's a part of the administration, or maybe you are a professor uh, teaching uh, in an academic context and outside of the uh, the, the field of missiology. Uh, I think that there will be much uh, for you to to ponder and to chew on uh, in light of this uh, recording as well. So let me let me share a little bit about where this recording comes from. This uh, is actually my twenty fifth year. Uh, very thankful for that. 25th year since uh, the Lord called me into vocational ministry, and over that period of time, uh, I've had the had the blessing, had the honor of of being able to to be involved in in ministry in a multitude of different roles. But um, 18 years and counting out of that uh, that period of time, uh, I have been involved in in pastoral leadership. Uh, obviously in a local church context, and uh, about the same amount of time, about 18 years as well. I have uh, spent time uh, teaching in the academy as, as a missiologist, uh, actually across—I was just counting it up just a few moments before recording this podcast—over over, uh, over across, uh, across five schools, five different schools in the, in the states, and uh, Bible colleges as well as— um, Seminaries, and uh, I continue to to teach uh, in an adjunct role. I'm not full time anymore, as I am full time uh, here as one of the pastors with the Church uh, uh, Brook Hills in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and and so uh, my my journey in 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 the realm of pastoral ministry has also been a journey in in the halls of academia as well, particularly in the area of missiology, and so uh, so I'm speaking out of out of. Convictions that come from experience and observations over the years. I continue to keep, um, keep a foot uh, in academia, but also at the same time in, the, uh, uh, in, in missionary societies and, uh, and, and things of that nature. And so I try to stay very close to my missiology friends. or miss, uh, Yes, excuse me, my missiologists uh, that are my friends that are out there, as well as pastoral friends as well. Let me give you a quote here. Uh, this quote comes from an excellent book, a book that actually was published in 1904. 1904. It's not uh, easy to find uh, this book, but if you can, you definitely want to lay hands on a copy of this book. This book is actually by John R. Mott. John R. Mar- Mott's book, The Pastor and Modern Missions A Plea for Leadership in World Evangelization. Listen to these quotes from, from this book. Mott writes, he says, Wherever you find a pastor, With overflowing missionary zeal and knowledge, you will find an earnest missionary church. And then, how about this one? A little bit more involved, but listen. The pastor's position gives him authority. His character and work give him vast influence. The pastor is the educator of the church. There is no other way to get the ear of the whole church save through him. It cannot be done through the Women's Missionary Society or the Young People's Society or the Sunday School. He has direct and influential access to all the members any idea which he persistently preaches and prays for in the pulpit will be gradually accepted as the rule of conduct by the people there are those powerful quotes about the role of the pastor uh, in the local church when it comes to leading that congregation to be involved in the mission of God and so I believe, out of biblical convictions, and I think Stott here—excuse me, Mott here—not Stott, John Mott, uh, Mott here—illustrates that conviction. And 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 that conviction that I have is, is that the most important individual, the most important individual when it comes to a local church understanding and engaging in the mission of God, is the pastor. Now. In light of our contemporary jargon and, and titles, uh, you know, I would I would say that, that individual is, would be known as the lead pastor, or the senior pastor, or the primary pastor, who, whoever that individual is, that has the primary responsibility for leadership and and teaching in a congregational setting. Uh, that individual, I believe, is the most influential individual when it comes to leading that congregation to be involved in kingdom advancement. So if you are in a role if you are in a situation whereby you are involved in training and equipping those that would be pastors present or pastors future lord willing there is a great great stewardship great great responsibility uh, that you have and i would say that that involves not only the formal even though I'm going to be spending some time directing my comments to the the Academy in this podcast, not only the formal approaches to training and equipping pastors, but also the the informal as well. Now, as I mentioned at the outset, the title is Training Pastors Toward an Apostolic Imagination. Um, For those of you that uh, have been keeping up with uh, Season 1, you know that I have recorded podcasts that talk about uh, apostolic missiology, Uh, apostolic church planting. And uh, for those of you that uh, frequently uh, read my blog, jdpain.org, you know that I write quite frequently on this topic as well, apostolic missiology, apostolic imagination, uh, and and related uh, concepts. So so I'm not going to be redundant and spend a a bulk of this time talking about something that I've already spoken on. So I'm going to direct you back to season one. Just go to iTunes or whatever and scroll through, and you can easily see the titles there. If you just Google my name and my blog and put Apostolic Imagination or Apostolic Missiology, you'll find out uh, where my post can be found on this topic. But I will say at the outset of this that we've got to recognize, we've got to understand that, that we, we have in the Scriptures clearly an understanding that, that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor-teachers w- which we read about, uh, they were clearly different roles. Now there were overlap, but there are functions that, while they overlap, those functions uh, also differed. And, and so the notion of diversity of gifts and diverse, diversity of calling that we see within Paul's writings, particularly in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 12, and, and then chapter 13, chapter 14, and then some of his writings to the Romans as well, we, we recognize that there's this diversity that is assigned in, uh, by the Spirit. So, It becomes problematic, and this is exactly what Paul kind of gets at in his letter to the Corinthian church. It becomes problematic whereby one particular approach begins to be the filter by which we see other approaches to ministry being conducted. And I would specifically say, and keep in mind, I am a pastor saying this. I am not that apostolic type. I'm not a missionary. I am a a pastor but I would say this, and that is for the most part, we have within a North American context, particularly within the United States, but it's not just it's not just in a, in a, in a North American or Western uh, concept or, or 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 approach. I think it I think it's global as well. For the most part, we see ministry, we think structure, organization, we think methods, we think strategy, we we even think in some terms theology through through the, the filter of a pastoral lens. And so what practically ends up happening uh, is uh, pastors begin to, to, to try to, to function as missionaries, and missionaries try to function as pastors, and we get, begin to find that, that those can lead to some problematic situations. So that's kind of the, the, the foundation. Uh, as I begin to talk about this notion of apostolic imagination, again, I'll direct you back to the other podcasts if you want to understand more about what I just shared or to my blog as well. So, what I'm going to talk about are two challenges, very briefly, two challenges that relate to uh, training pastors for an apostolic imagination. And after I mention those two challenges, I'm going, to, I'm going to lay out six guidelines, six things that I think would be helpful, that are helpful. To to training and equipping pastors to remain as pastors and to think like pastors, but at the same time, at the same time, to have have an understanding, uh, a, a biblical worldview that allows for the functioning of the missionary, the apostolic, if you will, the church planter, if you will, that allows for for the carrying out and the functioning of that particular calling. To be done in in a in a in a way that is not like pastoral ministry, but is more missionary, but is more apostolic, and and so I'm going to talk about these these six guidelines for training uh, pastors to to think, not saying making them to be missionaries, but to help them think more missiologically about what they're doing. So with that in mind, uh, let let me begin by talking about a couple of challenges that are out there. Two challenges. One is the challenge of defending the discipline of missiology, and the second challenge, and I've kind of already alluded to that, is the challenge of pastoral imagination. Let me talk about the challenge of defending the discipline. This is definitely something within an academic context. And that is, uh, and I know there are, exa- there, are, there are exceptions out there. There are schools that are exceptions to this that I'm about to say. But, but there's still, in many cases, there still exists a tension in, in academia between missiology and theology. And unfortunately, that should not be there. Uh, maybe I'm speaking in stereotypes, but that's often the case that uh, many go on, and therefore this tension exists. Uh, uh, what are those stereotypes? Uh, that missiology is is a discipline that's that's uh, that's really off-theological. It's filled with pragmatists. Um, it's primarily concerned with telling old missionary stories about jungles and eating bugs. Um, now, are there some? stereotypes out there from the theological side of the academy uh, you know casting these sto- stones at the missiology side of the academy yes however are there are there examples within the the missiology side of the academy uh, that has done some of these things that has contributed to the development of these 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 ideas these stereotypes and i would say yes that is the case as well but the truth is, is that oftentimes you find those tensions that exist that are there. This missiology is sort of a, a Johnny Come Lately kind of um, a, a field of study in the academy, and it still struggles. Really, it still struggles to find its voice within the the broader theological tradition. And so, what you have when that is the case is that you you often have missiologists that are teaching. Uh, within academic settings and they're attempting to justify themselves and their 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 subject matter not only before their colleagues but they're also doing it before the students because the students are finding themselves in that environment where by missiology is sort of seen as a uh, be the lowest rung on the ladder and so you have this 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 desire to to defend the discipline before you can even teach the discipline and you can see how that causes problems in, in just creating a, a healthy team within an academic setting. You can see how this causes problems. For example, um, if the academy has no value, or very little value, when it comes to missiology, uh, for example. I mean, you know, if, if seminarians are only required to take one or two uh, missiology courses, if any at all. Then the missiologist oftentimes finds himself or finds herself spending class time, again, trying to give an apologetic for, for the discipline before they even get to teaching. And so it creates this environment where students begin to think, well, okay, missiology, these classes are just hoops to jump through before I get my coveted diploma. There's that challenge that exists with that, you know, within the academy. second challenge is, is out there, and it's, it's basically the challenge of a pastoral imagination. And again, I'll remind you, I know I'm being redundant here, but, but I want you to, to understand uh, that I consider myself in, in that world. I, you know, I'm a pastor. And so the challenge of pastoral imagination is, is a challenge that is preventing the training of pastors towards an apostolic imagination. So what is this challenge of pastoral imagination? Well, it's kind of what I mentioned a few moments ago, and that is the, the second challenge is that really a pastoral hegemony Uh, exists that allows little room for apostolic thought and the development of needed structures for mission. Uh, In other words, we we see, for the most part, when it comes to mission, when it comes to the the mission of the church, whether it's in our own cities, whether it's across North America, whether it's throughout the world, we oftentimes... Now, if it's throughout the world, we're a little bit different, uh, but we oftentimes, even in those contexts, we still see... And think about missionary activity in light of pastoral approaches, in light of pastoral thinking. And and part of the reason, part of the reason why this is the case uh, is because we we read excellent books and we hear excellent scholars and excellent teachers that are doing an outstanding job teaching on biblical ecclesiology. Uh, However, The audience to which they are writing, listen carefully, the audience to which they are writing is not the audience, first and foremost, on the mission field, on the pioneer field where you have ten people who have just recently come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, have been baptized, and are covenanting together to be the local church, be it five Saudis living in Birmingham, Alabama, and yes, I said Saudis living in Birmingham, Alabama, or, or be it uh, 10 Somalis in Mogadishu, or Minneapolis, or Seattle. And, and, and so they're, they're oftentimes not writing and speaking on biblical ecclesiology to that particular context. To whom are they writing? To whom are they speaking? Well, they're oftentimes writing and speaking, for the most part, to the context in which you find churches with many years of sanctification under their belts. Uh, in other words, churches that already have well mature structures and organization and and development, uh, the, the audiences are pastors and church leaders that that are serving in congregations that are 20 and 50 and uh, 100 years old, and and so we read those excellent books, excellent books that are out there. Uh, many of those guys that are writing those books, I you know I, I agree with them on a great deal of things, but then the problem becomes. When we take many of those things with the, the structures and the, the organization that comes along with some of that ecclesiology, and we take it to the mission field, be it down the street from us in the United States. Unreached people groups live in Birmingham, Alabama, or Atlanta, Georgia or New York or Billings, Montana. Don't Don't think, obviously for me say this before, don't think that missions is over there, overseas. missions is here, there, everywhere. It's, 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 that's what we see in the, in the scriptures. And, and so oftentimes what we do is we don't think about how do, we, how do we think about ecclesiology in light of pioneer work, where unreached peoples are involved and things of that nature. And so, so we've got to keep in mind that pastors need to be taught to think apostolically while remaining pastoral in their callings. Pastors need to be taught to think apostolically while remaining pastoral in their callings. And, and so, because pastoral ministry is the default category right now, um, and it's been in place for centuries, because of that, we can't think in terms of anything else when it comes to ministry beyond something that is filtered through a pastoral lens. And so, whenever pastors are expected to do missionary activities, and missionaries are expected to be functioning as long-term pastors, problems are likely to follow. And so many pastors fail to recognize the apostolic nature and functions of the local church through their members. And practically, this means that missiologists must teach pastors that missionary activity, as I said just a second ago, is here, there, and everywhere. So, what are some guidelines? Let's let me throw out there six guidelines for, I believe, educating pastors. I think there are others that are out there. This is not an exhaustive list, but, but here's, some, here's some to get us thinking and moving forward and, 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 and going in a direction, I think, is, is going to help pastors think about uh, executing their ministries, discharging what has been, been given to them and their calling in that mature local church context while at the same time allowing for, calling out, equipping and sending apostolic teams to go down the street, to go across North America, to go throughout the world and do ministry in a way that's more missionary, more apostolic and less pastoral. Now, will it become more pastoral? Absolutely. What do we see in the New Testament? And that is once disciples are made and the church is beginning to grow and develop, then it becomes more and more in need of pastoral-type ministry as that apostolic team raises up pastors from out of the people, kind of a Acts 14, Titus chapter 1, verse 5, the reason I left you on Crete was put put things in order and appoint elders in every town. Uh, And so, yes, there's a need for that, but you don't put the cart before the horse. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to move us toward here. So six guidelines. Be very quick on these. So, for those of you that are within the academy, guideline number one for educating pastors, you need to maintain high academic standards, but answer the so what. Maintain high academic standards, but answer the so what. In other words, don't compromise on on the, the quality of, of, of what you're wanting to see in your students, but you need to make certain that that you are driving what you're doing to answering the so what question. In other words, you need, to help, you need to understand that pastors want to know what difference it makes to gospel proclamation and healthy churches when they hear you lecture on theories of orality and honor and shame societies or the missionary methods of Cyril and Methodius. Uh, or maybe you're, you're requiring them to do multivariate statistics if you're doing doctoral studies, regression analysis, and participant observation in the field. Uh, they, they need to understand the so what. Why are we doing this? And a failure to make the connection between the halls of academia and the local church is another reason pastors will refuse to find value in the discipline of missiology. If missiologists are not careful... I think the discipline is going to become more and more academic and eventually disconnecting from the local church. And so another temptation that I think is facing a lot of missiologists today uh, is is that not only are we trying to justify ourselves within the academic society among believing colleagues, but we're we're also trying to become more and more scholastic. So as I think—I haven't seen anyone write on this yet, but I think, just getting the impression— that uh, we're we're becoming more and more scholastic, so as almost to to prove uh, our equivalent to mainstream sociologists and anthropologists. Now, obviously, if you've kept up with with me and in my journey, you know my background is in sociology. I did an undergraduate and almost a graduate degree, so I'm not I'm not opposed to to intercultural studies and bringing in bringing in inter- interdisciplinary uh, uh, studies into the realm of missiology. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, very much for that. However, uh, we don't need to feel like we're, we're competing against that world. We're not called to th- do that. We should not feel inferior. Uh, the kingdom does not advanced, advance. Advance. Uh, the kingdom does not advance with the best offerings of Levy Strauss or Durkheim or Weber. And so, if you are a missiologist in the academy, I want you to to understand that there is value, and all truth is God's truth wherever it can be found, and we can glean it from even the ungodly that's out there. But do not feel like you need to, to compete and to prove yourself against those within the secular academy. I think that that ends up leading us down a path that's most unhealthy when it comes to the discipline of missiology. Second guideline. Listen to churches, but lead to and through blind spots listen to the churches but lead to and through blind spots. The kingdom will be served well by missiologists who remain in close proximity to local churches. The writer Proverbs, Proverbs 18 verse 2, says, "...a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion." If the Academy is instructing missionaries to, to listen and learn in other words, to contextualize the gospel, if the academies, if we're teaching them to listen and learn so as to communicate clearly on the field, uh, should not we, in the academy, apply such values to the classroom? Uh, in other words, we need to understand what is going on in the local churches. We need to understand what is taking place, and we need to walk, walk arm in arm with the local churches. Missiologists, at the same time, need to have the prophetic courage and the humility to point churches to congregational realities in need of understanding and correction. In other words, listen to what they're saying, but at the same time, don't neglect the blind spots. Point out the blind spots and lead them to understand those blind spots and to move beyond those blind spots when it comes to engaging the world with the gospel, carrying out the mission of God. Guideline number three. Teach pastors how to think about global realities. Teach pastors how to think about global realities. Uh, Public confession here, and and this is an embarrassment for me to even say this, but but here it's the truth. I, I was a professor before I truly understood the size of the majority world church. I was a professor before I understood the massive numbers of unreached people groups who have migrated from their countries of birth all over the world. Um, I was a professor before I kind of quote unquote discovered <laughs> uh, that behind India and China, the United States is home to the third largest number of unreached people groups in the world. I write about this in my book, Strangers Next Door, and and for some of you listening to this podcast you're learning about this for the first time, that the United States is home to the third largest number of unreached people groups in the world. And I just heard this past week from a very reputable missiologist who's studying unreached people groups in North America right now that, that Canada is at number four. Uh, when I wrote my book, uh, Strangers Next Door, I had Canada at number five. He's actually put Canada at number four on that list. If it took me, and I know that I'm, I'm not the standard obviously, but if it took me graduate and doctoral studies and researching for a book to get an understanding of these global realities, what what might that reveal about the present state of, of the pastoral understanding when it comes to global realities affecting the multiplication of disciples and churches? And so it's important that that the pastors need to understand. That for 200 years of Protestant missionary activity, uh, we have gone, the Spirit has done exactly as He promised, and, and now the majority church is is as it is right now. Uh, pastors need to be aware of uh, what the, what's happening in the world with all these brothers and sisters that make up the majority world church. At the same time, do not neglect the truth of the 6,800 unreached people groups in the world. Pastors need to be aware of that. And the hundreds... The hundreds of unreached people groups living in the United States and Canada, 3,000 unengaged unreached people groups in the world. Pastors need to be aware of the global forces that are shaping the face of the church and mission today, those pressure points that I've talked about before. Next guideline, help pastors think, but provide answers. Help pastors think, but provide answers. Students need to be taught, pastoral students, pastors need to be taught critical thinking skills in the academy. Uh, wisdom and discernment, they're important elements to, to life in the kingdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. However, missiologists absolutely must contend for the truths once delivered to the saints. Jude 3. In other words... Evangelical pastors will fail, they will fail to recognize the value of missiology if missiologists fail to speak with divine audacity about what God has already spoken. Yes, students should be led on a journey of discovery and not of academic paternalism, but, and pay close attention to this because I'm one who prefers to teach in Socratic ways, but if Socratic pedagogy is always used in the classroom, books, in our reviews, and in our articles, then the busy pastor is likely to assume that missiology is irrelevant to the church, with missiologists being a people always asking questions, never having answers. And I cannot tell you how many, and there are many of articles that I've read by missiologists, books that I've read by missiologists, lectures I've heard by missiologists that are asking really good questions and are leading us on this journey of, of questioning to, to discover truth and reality and direction forward, but they're not providing answers. It's almost like they fear to provide answers, uh, that they'll be considered narrow-minded. Again, I think it harkens back to a desire to compete with secular social sciences, but that's another podcast for another time. And so, don't be the missiologist that's always asking questions and never having answers. As a, as a kingdom citizen, it's important to ask the questions, lead your pastors to self-discovery, self-understanding, but at the same time, teach them to think but provide answers. Another guideline. Another guideline, and, and I leave this as one that's, Ben talked about a great deal recently and it's one that we must never forget and that is we need to teach pastors theology as it is to be taught and that is that theology was birthed from the mission of god teach them theology that is something that was birthed from the mission of god I mean, missiologists must be expert experts in their discipline and this includes the realm of theology. I think so many times we think that, okay, we're doing missiology. We're not theologians. That, that, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Uh, I, had a, I had a I was speaking on this topic one time, and, and a guy who was listening, he, he asked me a question, and it was basically what he was getting at was, well, what's kind of the ideal? And, and, and the ideal is theologians who are outstanding theologians and outstanding missiologists, and missiologists who are outstanding missiologists and outstanding theologians. In other words, these two are to be hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, good theology is good is, is, involves good missiology, and good missiology involves good theology. Uh, missiologists must lead others to the Scriptures as the source of the apostolic mindset. Uh, we must show pastors how all of Scripture was birthed from and relates to God's mission. I remember one time being... Uh, in a context whereby there uh, was a, a reputable theologian uh, preaching a four-part sermon series on, um, on the church being one holy Catholic and apostolic. And so uh, each part of the sermon was going to address with each uh, address one of those words from the, from the you know, great confession of, of years ago, one holy Catholic apostolic. So four, four parts. And so, with with each expositional message addressing one of these four words. As a missions professor, I eagerly awaited the message on the apostolic nature of the church. Knowing uh, this theologian did not have a reputation for emphasizing evangelism and missions, I hoped such a message would reveal a change in his theology and preaching. However, uh, to my surprise, this brother managed to preach a message on the apostolic nature of the church by emphasizing the importance of the apostles' teaching while giving scant attention to the sent nature of the church. And that, I would say, is a perfect example of filtering the notion of the apostolic through a pastoral lens, through a pastoral mindset. If all of Scripture has been birthed from the outworking of God's redemptive and restorative plan, then it would seem that pastors should be able to understand this matter and allow these natural threads of the Missio Dei to be revealed in their preaching. However, culture and tradition, and I would say much of what is found within the academy and much of what is found within our local churches— create strong forces that pose challenges to missiologists communicating a more excellent approach to understanding the Bible. You know, Mott, going back to what I quoted earlier from Mott's book, Mott was correct when he noted, and I'll give you a quote here, quote, "...the pulpit treatment of missions should not be restricted to stated missionary sermons. The preacher must feel that missions is his domain and not that he goes out of his way to preach on the subject." End quote. If evangelicals fail to encourage a missional hermeneutic, then it should come as no surprise if missions is included in only a few sermons each year in our local churches. A missional hermeneutic should not be an exceptional matter in the pulpit. And finally, guideline number six, teach pastors to stand between two worlds. Teach pastors to stand between two worlds. The wise missiologist must understand that the call to be a pastor involves a call to stand between two worlds. The first world is that of the local church. The second world is that of the unreached peoples. Pastors with an apostolic imagination recognize. They recognize that apostolic workers are often members of their churches and in need to be sent from that world into that other world, from the world of the local church to the world of the unreached. Pastors with an apostolic imagination know that, for the most part, they are to remain between two worlds. And this locus of ministry is a good thing. The the church needs pastors. Unreached people groups, of course, need missionaries. In general, pastors are not called to apostolic ministry. And Pastors with an apostolic imagination recognize this reality and they are comfortable with it. They know their role in the body and the role of the ones sent from their churches. Missiologists must teach pastors that apostolic labors are not primarily defined by geographical boundaries. Uh, This this other world, this world of the unreached, may exist among an unreached people group across town or, or within another country across the continent and teaching pastors to stand on the bridge with an apostolic imagination will require missiological thought that removes the dichotomy between North American and international missionary activities. So I I hope that that this this podcast on training of pastors to develop an apostolic imagination has has given you something to think about. I hope it's given you something to take into your your conversations, your circles of influence, and to begin to begin to think about this particular topic because I do as I said at the, at the introduction, I do believe that the most important individual within the local church context is is that pastor who has those primary responsibilities that I talked about earlier. And and if we are not if we're not helping that individual to to have an apostolic imagination. Again, it does not mean that 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 person is 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 an apostle missionary, uh, church planter, but but, but if, if he does not have that apostolic imagination that is embraced in, in his heart as a pastor, then what is going to happen is everything when it comes to missionary-type activities is going to, for the most part, I should, maybe I shouldn't say everything, but for the most part is going to be filtered through the lens of, of a pastoral approach to ministry. A pastoral approach to engagement, a pastoral approach to ecclesiology, and a pastoral approach to to strategy, to methods, down the street, across the continent, and across the world. And so, friends, those of you that are involved in training, equipping, teaching pastors, help them to develop an apostolic imagination help them to understand who they are as a pastor, to remain comfortable in that calling, to stand on the bridge between the world of the church and the world of the unreached people groups, and to call out those apostolic type workers from the world of the local church to cross that bridge and to go into the world of the unreached, to apply methods, to apply strategies that are biblically grounded, biblically supported, biblically informed, Holy Spirit led, the Word guiding that approach, but at the same time, it's not going to look like doing church in a mature church context, whereby the people have years of sanctification behind. Them. Until next time, Lord willing, take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.B. Payne. You can find J.B. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.B. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.